What's up? It's Shooting the Schmidt. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. Thank you for taking the time out of the day to check out the podcast. We got an absolutely loaded show for you today. We're talking college football playoff scenarios. I'm going to give you my new college football playoff rankings. The new rankings come out tonight. Did I move Tennessee in front of Tennessee? Did I do it? After I said TCU would not beat Texas, and then they did. You'll have to stick around and listen to find out. We're also talking NFL. We're adding teams to the NFL Super Bowl bubble Cannot wait to get into it. We have an absolutely loaded show. It's going to be great. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to start with college football on today's show. We're going to start off with the receipts from my predictions from over the weekend. I was two for five. On my five predictions, the ones I hit, Michigan and Ohio State both rolled. Michigan rolled Nebraska 34-3. Ohio State rolled Indiana 40-something to like 14, whatever it was. They absolutely destroyed them. Anyway, uh, those are right. I had Alabama beating Ole Miss. That happened as well. And I very quickly want to like put an end to this. Lane Kiffin is not leaving for the Auburn job. Okay, there's no reason for him to leave Ole Miss. Going from Ole Miss to Auburn, it's a lateral move to a less prepared team to win now. You know, Lane Kiffin's been, you know, slowly accumulating talent at Ole Miss. Like, there's a reason why they've been ranked, or they were ranked in the top 10 this year. I believe that they broke into the top 10 last year as well. Jackson Dart, really good quarterback. That's a really good Ole Miss football team. The only way Lane Kiffin is leaving Ole Miss is if the Alabama job comes open or something like that, or one of these major college opportunities comes open. Look, Nick Saban isn't leaving, you know, within the next three or four years. Miami just hired somebody. Um, Obviously, Kirby Smart isn't leaving Georgia. USC just hired Lincoln Riley. Texas just hired Steve Sarkeesian. Like, Lane Kiffin isn't going anywhere. He's staying at Ole Miss. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, don't worry. Lane Kiffin is not leaving Ole Miss under any circumstance. Now, let's move into my three misses. LSU survives Arkansas, beats them 13-10. to And I, man, this one really hurt. Not only am I an Arkansas fan, I also firmly believe that if K.J. Jefferson had been playing in this game, Arkansas would have won by at least a touchdown, maybe more, you know, having to play with a third-string quarterback and still only getting beat 13-10. to That Arkansas defense showed out, played extremely well against an LSU offense that really struggled and did not look like a potential college football playoff team, which they are. They are a potential college football playoff team as of right now, especially with the Oregon loss, Oregon loss to Washington. This was another one of my predictions. I thought Oregon would absolutely roll Washington. They did not. So Oregon, I believe they, they've kind of been eliminated from playoff contention after this loss. Now with two losses, and one of those being a 49-3 loss to Georgia, I think that it's pretty obvious that there's no way that they're, they're going to get in after those two losses. Uh, and then, obviously, I had Texas beating TCU. Mentioned that in the open. That obviously didn't happen either. Does that change my thoughts, though? Does that change my thoughts on TCU being a top-four team? I guess you're going to have to wait to find out. We're going to do my top 12 in, my, in the next segment because I very quickly want to hit on the Oregon loss and how impactful this is for the college football playoff. It introduces us to a brand-new scenario. Two of them, actually. Two scenarios that we have not had in the college football playoff era. Let's get into it. So the Oregon loss is huge for LSU. LSU now has real playoff hopes. Okay, because look, if Oregon had won out, they would have been an 11-1 conference champion. 
that looked dominant, right? And they were going to put a two-loss LSU team in over them, especially if, especially since like LSU has two losses, and even if they had beat Georgia and everything, wouldn't have mattered. Pac-12 champions, one loss. Oregon, 100% getting in, especially with wins over Washington and Utah and UCLA and USC. Like, that's four really good wins, but they lost. They lost to Washington. Now the door's open for the first two-loss team to potentially make the college football playoff. And so here's what's probably going to happen tonight. You're going to turn on your TV tonight to watch the college football playoffs. College football playoff rankings unveil. You will see LSU is probably somewhere in the top six, probably at number six, right? And they're an SEC championship away from potentially, from potentially getting in. Pay attention tonight to where the committee ranks USC because if they rank USC behind LSU, it gets really interesting because that opens up the door for a three SEC team playoff. If LSU wins out, they'll get in simply because they're the SEC champs. They will have beaten Georgia and Alabama. Like, very, very impressive wins, okay? It's very easy to, like, say, hey, you know what? Even though they had two losses, like, they beat Georgia. Everyone knows Georgia's the best team in the country. They won the SEC. It's probably the best conference in college football again. We have to put them in. Like, they they won the toughest conference. Like, we have to put them in, right? So if LSU wins the SEC, SEC championship game, very easy to put them in, right? Georgia, like, they're, they're a lock at this point. Like, if they win the rest of their regular season games, even if they lose the SEC championship game, they're getting in. And as they should. They've been the best team to this point. I think everybody would agree with that. Now, obviously, for Tennessee to get in, TCU would have to lose, which I do think is going to happen. I just I don't trust this team. They look so average. I, I, mm, we're going to get more into them later. Um, I, but obviously, TCU would have to lose. The committee has told us that they're not going to put TCU behind Tennessee as long as TCU stays undefeated. So, TCU would have to lose, but I do think that that's what's going to happen. And so then, if that happens, that obviously gives Tennessee an opportunity to slide into the four spot and at that point, I believe it would come down between Tennessee and USC. Now, obviously, if USC wins out, then things are pretty simple. LSU, Georgia, and USC would probably get in, even though Tennessee did beat LSU like 40-13 to 13 earlier this year. But we'll, we're going to leave that for a little bit later. So that being said, USC still has to beat UCLA. And Notre Dame, two solid football teams, especially UCLA. And then they have to go win the Pac-12 championship game as well. And that's not going to be, obviously, that won't be a cakewalk. That's you know supposed to be the second best team in the Pac-12, which is probably going to be Oregon. Like that's, that's a really good football team, right? It'll be Oregon or Washington. I, I, I didn't check the standings beforehand, but either way, they're guaranteed to play another really solid team. And look, USC is really good. I believe they're unproven. They haven't beat, they haven't beaten a ranked team all year. They've just kind of beat up on the bad teams in the Pac-12, and the one time they played somebody good in Utah, they lost. So, who really knows what USC is? I don't think USC is better than UCLA. I like UCLA to actually beat them on Saturday. They may lose to Notre Dame, too. Notre Dame showed up and showed out against Clemson. When they play big games, man, they show up. They showed up against Ohio State in a big way, and they showed up against Clemson in a big way as well. So, it'll be very interesting to see how USC looks against both Notre Dame and UCLA. I do think that they'll lose one of them. And then, what do they do? You have a you know two-loss USC team. I don't know who would 
make it into the Pac-12 championship game from there. Probably UCLA, but with UCLA's loss to Arizona, they're not going to sniff the college football playoff at this point. And so do you put in a two-loss Pac-12 champion or a one-loss TCU Big 12 champion who hasn't really looked that great with a bunch of average wins over a Tennessee team that has looked like one of the four best teams in the country, no matter which way you slice it, Okay, Tennessee will have a win over LSU, who would be in the college football playoff, who they beat 40-13. to 13. Do they maybe put both Ohio State and Michigan in there, depending on how that game looks? I mean, it's going to get so interesting who that fourth team's going to be. If, if, if LSU wins out, I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, things are bound to get crazy. And there is a world where the college football playoff committee creates a three- SEC team playoff, right? I could definitely see them justifying putting Tennessee, LSU, and Georgia in because it'll basically be a three-way tie. Tennessee beat LSU, LSU beat Georgia, Georgia beat Tennessee. And so how do you really balance and weigh all three of those teams? I just, it, it becomes a very slippery slope in terms of, you know, who knows, like, in terms of, like, how you weigh those resumes, right? And so then I think it just strictly comes down to who, who are the four best teams? That's what it should be anyway. Okay, because, like, isn't that the point of rankings is to rank, the like, the best, the best teams, not the most deserving teams, not who has the prettiest wins, not who has the best loss or, or whatever criteria thing or whatever phrase you want to throw out there. It's about ranking the four best teams. And, look, if you win the SEC championship game, you're probably one of the four best teams in the country. Georgia has proven that they're one of the four best teams in the country. Tennessee has proven that they're one of the four best teams in the country. I don't think LSU has quite done it yet. For me, LSU would have to beat Georgia in order for me to believe that they're one of the four best teams in the country. But if they do that, then they have a viable argument to make it into the playoff even though they have two losses. It's going to get really interesting here down down the stretch. I'm pulling for a three SEC team playoff. You can call me a homer, but I'll just be honest with you. That's kind of what I want. I think it'd be funny. I'd love to get on Twitter and see everybody get upset. I would be able to be a troll. It would be awesome. It would be a great time. So, that Oregon loss, man, really making things interesting. So, we're going to take a short break. we come back, I'm going to give you my top 12 college football teams, and I'm going to get into TCU and Tennessee and kind of where I have both of them. Cannot wait to do it. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with those rankings. Here we go. The moment people have been waiting for. My updated top 12 teams in college football. Starting at number 12. I have Oregon. They're still good. Right? I mean, look, they lost against a good Washington team. It happens. Okay? I didn't... I mean, they didn't look terrible. I still believe that they are worthy of being one of the top 12 teams. I think that if we were in a 12-team playoff, I think that they would be deserving of a spot still, just with how they beat teams throughout the year. So, Oregon at 12. Number 11, I've got North Carolina. They've had a pretty... They've had a quiet good year at 9-1. and one. I'm sure they're thinking they maybe have an outside chance at the playoff. I don't see how the ACC is going to make the playoff. Uh, spoiler alert, I have Clemson at nine. Like, even if, you know, North Carolina beats Clemson, like, I don't think that's enough to potentially launch them into being into the top four. So, North Carolina at 11. I have Utah at 10. You know, people were, people were expecting them to be really good this year, and then they got off to the bad start with the loss to Florida, which really wasn't even that bad of a loss. Winning in Florida in September when you're coming all the way from Utah is tough, dealing with the humidity. Um, but look, like they've still put together a really good year. That's a really good football team out there in Utah. I've got them at 10. Number nine, I have Clemson. They're still really good. I mean, 
that's still a really good football team. Like even though they lost to Notre Dame the way that they did, like that team still really good, just not what we're used to Clemson being, right? Uh, number eight, I have Alabama. Same thing. That's still a really good football team. I know they lost by one on a last-second field goal to Tennessee. And I know that they lost by one on a two-point conversion in overtime at LSU. So I know the whole world's falling apart for you Alabama fans. Fire Nick Saban, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But nah, um, this is this is a really good football team still. Um, they'll be even better next year. So here's where things get interesting, right? I have USC at seven. Um, they just they haven't beaten anybody. And I know I had him in front of LSU last week. Obviously, this week I don't. But I really kind of took some time to really look at USC's schedule. And, man, they just they haven't played much of anybody. I mean, I, I know that I kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, talking about how their only win of the – their only time this year that they have played a ranked opponent they lost, and that was against Utah. And, man, I just – I have a really hard time wanting to rank them – in front of LSU, when LSU has has a win over Alabama and they have a win over Ole Miss, dominant win over Ole Miss, who obviously has kind of faltered these last couple weeks with the loss to LSU and then the loss, obviously, on Saturday to Alabama. But, like, it's still a really good football team. And then when we look at USC, who is just, like, they haven't, like, they haven't even beaten teams who have been close to being ranked, right? So, like, they beat Rice week one, blew them out, blew out Stanford week two. Stanford's not very good. They beat Fresno State. Fresno State's not very good. They barely beat Oregon State. Oregon State, okay football team, not great. Um, they, you know, they crush Arizona State, who's not great. They beat Washington State, who's okay. And then they play Utah, who, as I said, are already. That's a really good football team. And they lost 43 to 42. Like, I get that it's a close game, but still, like you had you had an opportunity to beat a ranked opponent that everybody knew was good and you couldn't do it. Like I, it's really hard for me to justify putting you over an LSU team who, as I just said, has beaten Alabama and has beaten Ole Miss, right? Um, and then you know USC, you know they go on to beat you know Arizona by eight, beat California by six, crush Colorado on Friday night, and look, they have an opportunity here to like to prove their worth. Like if they beat UCLA, I'll probably rank them. Probably, I'm not going to guarantee it. Probably. I will rank them over LSU next week, but they don't have any kind of signature win, and so because of that, I, it's really hard for me to justify wanting to rank them in front of LSU. Because as I said earlier, LSU has not proved to me that they're a top four team, and uh, they won't they won't do that until they beat Georgia. Same thing with USC; they haven't proven to me that they're better than LSU yet because they don't have any signature wins. I need them to go out. I need them to prove that they're better than LSU. I don't believe that they've done that. Speaking of LSU, I have them at six. And then we're going to, you know, I mean, look, I know that they barely beat Arkansas, but they're coming off of an emotional high of beating Alabama. You know, the number of times we see teams go out, win, win games that people don't think that they should win, and then have the hangover loss. It's very common, especially in college sports, where you're dealing with guys between the ages of 18 and 22, You know, look, at the end of the day, they got it done. They went on the road to Arkansas, rivalry game, trophy game. And look, at the the end of the day, they got it done. So I've got LSU at six. We're going to skip five and four because I know that that's why you're here. Uh, Three, two, and one have all stayed the same. I've got Ohio State at three, Michigan at two. You know, my buddy Cam told me the other day, he was like, hey, man, uh, Ohio State's better than Michigan. They might be. We're going to find out here in a couple short weeks. Very excited for that game. And then, obviously, I have Georgia at one. I think everybody would agree they are clearly the best team in the country. I believe 
that I believe they got every vote in the AP poll. They, that actually may not be true. Let me actually double-check that real quick. As I continue to make you wait for who I have at four and who I have at five, because Tennessee won again on Saturday, which they're going to keep winning because they're a really good football team. And then again, good old TCU. They beat Texas, surprisingly. I, I, just, I can't believe that they I, – I just – okay, it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> um yeah, so in, in terms of the AP poll, uh, Georgia got every vote but one. Ohio State got one vote to be the top-ranked team. And in the coaches' poll, Georgia got every vote except for two. Ohio State got one, and Michigan got one. So, at number four, I still have Tennessee. And at number five, I have TCU. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay? It's like, Jonathan, what's it going to take? Jonathan, what's it going to take for you to rank TCU in front of Tennessee? It's a very, very fair question. It's a very, very fair question, right? Because Texas, like Jonathan, Texas, that's a good football team. It is a good football team. It's really good. It's, 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 that's a good football team. That's all it is. Okay, I've seen Tennessee absolutely dismantle teams, R- like really good teams, like LSU. They beat LSU 40-13. to I'm going to keep bringing that up because that's insane. Okay, the college football playoff committee is probably going to rank LSU in the top six tonight. If not, definitely in the top ten. They beat one of the ten best teams in the country by 33. By 33. Okay, and I get that they lost to Georgia, but they went on the road. That's that's a tough place to go win. Okay, and once again, top ten matchups this year. The home team is undefeated. It is so hard to go on the road and win. It's near impossible. Like, like let's let's let Tennessee and Georgia play, you know, in New Orleans. All right, neutral site. All right, and let's just and let's see what's going on. Like, I that's what I want to see, you know. And you know, like if we put them both in, then like we're gonna get to see that. I think I think it's gonna be a great heavyweight bout between that offense and between that defense. Okay, I believe that if the game was played at Neyland, Tennessee probably would have won because it's tough to go on the road and win when you're playing against top level teams. So I don't think we should hold a road loss against the number one team in the country over the head of Tennessee and be the reason why they don't get in. Meanwhile, TCU, I mean, like let's let's just let's let's look at their three best wins, okay? Like let's 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 look at these. Their three best wins are by ten points or less against teams with three or more losses. Okay, they had to go to overtime to beat Oklahoma State. Okay, who's barely ranked in the top twenty-five? Okay, they beat Kansas State by 10, who's ranked currently outside the top 15. Okay, and then their third best win is against a four-loss Texas team who they beat by a touchdown. Like, come on. Cut me a break. You can't seriously sit here and tell me that this TCU team is one of the four best teams in the country. You can't. Okay, if TCU played Georgia, Georgia could roll their second strings out there and mop the floor with them. Okay, this, I'm sorry, but this this TCU team, just like, just sit down and watch them play. This is not a top four team in the country. They're not under any circumstance. And if you think so, that's just absolutely ridiculous. And if they end up making the college football playoff, I'm going to be sick to my stomach because they're going to play Georgia. And there's, there's going to be no point to watching the game. There won't be. Georgia's going to be favored by at least two touchdowns, maybe even three. That's that's like this TCU team is the definition of of above average. That's what they are. And above average teams don't belong in the college football playoff. Great teams do. We're going to take a short break. 
When we come back, we're going to talk NFL. I had a great NFL weekend. I go back and listen to Thursday's pod if you haven't. If you just if you want to hear everything that happened on Sunday, just go back and, and listen to Thursday's pod because I, I told you exactly what was going to happen and it happened. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. I, I'll pull out the receipts for my Sunday predictions and then I will update my Super Bowl bubble for you. So we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Final segment here on Shooting the Schmidt today. We're going to wrap it up with a little bit of NFL action. I was 5 for 5 on my predictions for the weekend. Just, you know, a little flex. 5 for 5. No big deal. This is just how we do it over here at Shooting the Schmidt. If you want to know what's going to happen before it happens, make sure you follow, like, subscribe, rate, all that kind of stuff. So here we go. 5 for 5. Here they were. Dolphins stayed hot. Four wins in a row now. Crush the Browns 39-17. to 17. No surprise to a... Three straight games with three or more touchdown passes. Um, no interceptions in those three games. I mean, my guy, Tua, showing up, showing out, having one of the best seasons of any quarterback in the league right now. Leads the league in passer rating. Leads the league in QBR. I don't, I don't, I don't know what more you want, man. I don't know what more you want. I don't know what more you want. I just, oh, man, he's playing so great. You know, Tyreek Hill continues to play well. Jalen Wallow continues to play well. The defense looked really good. Um... Yeah, like they they looked awesome. Once again, they beat the Browns 39-17. They stay hot. The Bucks have now won back-to-back games. Watch out. Tom Brady's doing it again. Yeah, this Bucks team slowly starting to figure it out. They're slowly starting to get healthier. The healthier they get, the better they're going to be. You know, this is a team that look, they're probably going to win the NFC South just cuz the division's terrible. Um, but look, like they could show up with a very average record. And make a run because it's Tom Brady and this team's very talented. They've just been banged up. They're slowly getting healthy. As that happens, like I said, watch out. This is a really good football team. Uh, the Bills. Bills lost the game of the year, Th- thirty-three to thirty in overtime. Uh, this game had everything right: insane catches, the Stephon Diggs one-handed catch, the Justin Jefferson one-handed snag, pulling it away from the Bills corner was insane. Like arguably the greatest catch ever. Dare I say? I mean, oh, it was it was incredible. Um, there were fumbles. There were failed quarter. There were two failed quarterback sneaks on back to back plays. That never happens. That is not a thing. Okay, those things they those things just don't happen. Okay, um, lots of touchdowns. Obviously, tons of back and forth. There were missed point afters. You know, but at the end of the day, Josh Allen just couldn't quite get it done. And this is the worry, right? Like with Buffalo, they are so Josh Allen dependent. And even when he plays great, man, it's just it's tough to beat eleven guys. It's so tough to beat eleven guys. Um, you know, he he obviously turned the ball over a little bit more than what Buffalo wanted, but all in all, like he gave them a chance to win and they just couldn't quite get it done. Couldn't quite get it done. And this is also what happens with Buffalo. When they don't go up early and their defense can't just pin their ears back and go get the passer, they struggle a little bit more. I mean, they give up thirty three. That's that's a pretty decent amount of points. Thirty obviously in regulation. And that's kind of the thing with the Bills. Don't fall behind early. If you don't fall behind early, you can beat them. Or even if you do, just stay committed to the run. Because that's what the Jets did, you know, two weeks ago. They went down early, but they stuck with the run. They didn't get all pass happy. They didn't allow Von Miller and those guys to just pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. Because that's what Buffalo wants to do. They want to go up 14-0 to early and then just pin their ears back the rest of the game and get after you. You can't give them an opportunity to do that. If you do that... You are in trouble. Simple as that. 49ers sweep the city of L.A. Um, 
man, this 49ers team's really good. They're really talented. They're kind of in the same boat as the Bucks. The healthier they get, man, you just got to start paying more and more attention. Obviously, the addition of Christian McCaffrey to a Kyle Shanahan offense is always going to be worthy of note. This is that's a really good football team, man. The NFC, I mean, it's there's four teams now who are kind of who are slowly starting to emerge as the the top of it. You know, Philadelphia, Minnesota, uh, the 49ers, and I believe that by the end of the year, the Bucks will be in that category as well. Um, man, that 49ers team really good. Chargers really needed that win too. They're now five and four, still trying to fight for that playoff position. Justin Herbert still hasn't played in the playoffs yet. Brandon Staley co- coaching for his job out there in LA. Last thing, the prize, the prize possession, the big swing hit. The big swing led to a home run. Whew, it was nice. Come on. The Eagles lost to the Commanders. Your boy called that. You guys said 27-24. The final score was 32-21. Come on now. Come on. I told you. I told you that the Eagles were due for a bad game. I told you that they were due for some bad luck. You know, the missed, fa- missed face mask call, all that kind of stuff. They were due for it. They had just looked too good. Something bad was bound to happen to those boys, and it did, and it happens. Like, like That's why it's so hard to go undefeated in the NFL because referees miss calls, and you're playing against other professionals, and you're playing against these division opponents who see you multiple times every year. They know what you have. They know what you don't have, right? And, yeah, this commander's defense, man, they showed up. They were ready to go, just, just as I predicted. Ron, Ron Rivera had those boys ready. Okay, They forced four turnovers, three fumbles, ha- had a pick. And most importantly, though, I think the most impressive thing isn't the four tur- isn't the four turnovers. It's the lack of production from AJ Brown. One catch for seven yards, and it wasn't like Devontae Smith had a crazy game either. Jalen Hurts didn't throw for two hundred yards in this one. I mean, they didn't really allow any big plays over the top. I ultimately think that that's why they were able to keep them in check. But yeah, big win for the Commanders. They're five hundred, fighting for a playoff spot. I mean. That the NFC East, man, it, it just it keeps getting better and better over there. Taylor Heineke really playing well for the Commanders. So now to close it out here, Super Bowl bubble. So obviously, you know the same three teams lead it: Chiefs, Bills, and Philly. These are the three teams that lead it. I've added two more teams to the Super Bowl bubble. First of which is the Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota. They just consistently win close games. Maybe they're lucky. Maybe they're just very poised. I mean, maybe it's both. Um, but at the end of the day, like you can be lucky and not take advantage of opportunities. And the Vikings have done that. And by the way, when I say that the Vikings consistently win close games, by consistently, I mean all of them. They are 7-0 and in games in which end with like a one position, one possession deficit. And obviously, they're really talented on the outside. Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the league. Adam Thielen, one of the best twos in the league. They went out, they got TJ Hawkinson. That's a really good tight end from Detroit. Yeah, as I was saying, that's a really good tight end from Detroit. I mean, this team's just really talented. Darius Smith continues to have a big year, man. He was in the backfield a lot on Sunday. Um, That defense played well, obviously forcing turnovers. Patrick Peterson a veteran leader in that secondary. I mean, they look really good uh, to a point where this team, I believe, is good enough to win the Super Bowl. I believe Philly's the best team in the NFC. I believe that the Vikings are the second-best team in the NFC. And, look, if you can get to to an NFC championship game, anything can happen. right? That's what we saw with the Bengals last year. They got to the AFC title game. They beat Kansas City, and next thing you know, they're they're fighting for a chance to grab a ring against the Rams. 
And then the other team I added. I thought long and hard about this. I've officially put the Miami Dolphins in my Super Bowl bubble. And I know, Jonathan, you're a Dolphins fan. Jonathan, this is biased. Jonathan, how could you say that? Jonathan, Miami, come on now. Tua, not very good. What do you mean he's not very good? Just leads the league in pass rating and QBR. But now, here's here's the thing about Miami. Miami wakes up and puts 30 points on the board. That's just that's what they do. And from a pure production level, when you look at the numbers, they're on a Kansas City Chiefs level. The Chiefs average 30 points per game. The Dolphins, when Tua plays, average 29 points per game. I mean, they are they are right there. This is a team that puts up points. They have elite weapons on the outside. They figured out how to run the football. They ran it all over Cleveland. All over Cleveland. Uh, Taron Armstead absolutely took Miles Garrett out of the game. It was very impressive. I think people forget that Miami signed one of the best left tackles in football in the offseason. The, obviously, the concern is like, well, Jonathan, the, the defense. What about the defense? Well, look, the defense doesn't allow teams to run the football. Okay, backs are averaging under three and a half yards per carry on normal handoffs. If you look at the Dolphins' overall yards per carry average, it's going to be higher because of what Justin Fields did to them two weeks ago. There aren't that many Justin Fields that uh, out there. They're just like there aren't. There's Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, and that's about it, right? So, I I have the Dolphins in this category. They do a good job of control of controlling the line of scrimmage on defense. Uh, Jalen Phillips has had a really good year as a pass rusher. Melvin Ingram, that's another guy. He's not even the starter. He comes in off the bench. That's a really good drop linebacker who can also go and get the passer. The Bradley Chubb addition, he's been in the backfield several times. I think he's got you know a sack now, but he's 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 consistently in the backfield. He has done. He's a major help for that defensive line. You're already seeing his impact. Byron Jones is almost back when he comes back from injury. This Dolphins secondary will take another step up. The linebackers have played well. This is a really good Miami Dolphins defense. In case you forgot, when the defense was healthy, they they held the Bills to 20 points, and they were on the field for 40 minutes. I mean, this is a really good defense when it's healthy. It's almost fully healthy again. Tua is playing at a high level. No matter what you think of him, you cannot deny that. Obviously, Tyreek Hill on pace to have one of the best, if not the best, receiving seasons ever. Yeah, so that is my Super Bowl bubble. Chiefs, Bills, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Miami. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune in. Got a big podcast coming for you on Thursday. My boy Nathan Sandusky is going to come on with me. Uh, We're definitely going to do, obviously we're going to preview the NFL. I'll preview college football, do all that. And then I know we're doing a big, and I mean a big thing on, on, excuse me, on the NBA that night. You know, I said last week I was going to do some NBA stuff this week. I'm going to finish catching up. Nate and I are going to sit down. We're going to deep dive into a lot of NBA. Cannot wait to get into it. It's going to be a great show on Thursday. Super excited to do that with Nate. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday.